right. Welcome back to the latest and the greatest of the Blue Brothers Sportscast. Real talk, real fans. We bring you Michigan football each and every week. And uh, here I am tonight uh, kind of throwing something new at y'all. Well, it's something new, some old, because uh, I've got Brandon with me, uh, who is our regular now. Uh, but kind of as always what it used to be, we have Craig rejoining us tonight. So, Craig, how's it going? Doing good, man. I like how you used the word old <laughs> before you introduced me. Aha! I caught you. That was that was so <laughs> deliberate. A Freudian slip, but I caught that. It, it's well, it's so old. It's like so what? Four weeks ago or something now? Yeah. <laughs> Jurassic, vintage. Yeah, you can use all those terms, right? <laughs> that's that's so 2018. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's. I'm glad to be here, man. I'm glad to kind of be here. You know. Being a guest on here, which is cool to be with Brandon and you guys, so I'm, I miss it, of course. But uh, you know, I'm enjoying my time with my family. So, well, I hope you're enjoying the pay cut then too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. I know. I'm like, man, that was a six figures I'm dropping there. So. Yeah. For those of you who don't know how much we roll in for this, but uh, yeah, good to have you back. And uh, yeah, so it's. It's going to be the three of us. We're going to be do, doing the 2018. It's a little something special that we got for our 2018 uh, review here. Uh, we did open it up for voicemails. I did not. I just checked a little while ago. I did not see anything come in. I know that's a little bit unusual because we're recording Saturday night. Uh, but we're doing that because tomorrow night's Super Bowl. It's easier for us to record on the weekends and all that. So uh, if at all you guys want to call in afterwards, though, and give your feedback, we will definitely review those afterwards. Uh, if you would like, so call, leave one voicemail, uh, shorter, the better. And we could talk about next week if you'd like. Um, but before we start, we, we're going to keep it rolling. We're going to keep it going. Cause we always have been doing the, did you know, and I am going to be bringing that to you this week. And I was actually able to find uh, kind of like a little sports segment here and it's not, well, it's sports, but not sports. Uh, it's definitely not football related. But did you know that dueling in is legal in Paraguay as long as both parties are registered blood donors? What? Yeah, it says dueling, dueling. So I don't know if this is like uh, current with this year, but this didn't come out too long ago. Uh, I'm trying to find a year, but it's not too long ago, whenever it was. Uh, so I'm guessing it's still, I'll have to do some more research to double check and everything, but it says dueling is legal in Paraguay as long as both parties are registered blood donors. Wow. I mean, so, you talk, is it du- dueling pianos? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Dueling I mean, banjos. <laughs> dueling banjos? <laughs> I see there being bloodshed and dueling banjos before dueling pianos. Right, right, there you go. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like dueling. That's the first thing I thought it was dueling pianos. I went, wow, you have to donate blood for that, man. Hardcore <laughs> over there. So. Yeah, I'm gonna be kind of curious on like when the last time that was that that happened. Uh, I might. Uh, this one has has piqued my curiosity, so I might have to dig up more information on it. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Well, but, or I have to slap the other guy in the face with a glove first. <laughs> <laughs> is there a rule on how you declare a duel yeah that'd be interesting insult, insult them and slap them with the glove <laughs> well and then like dueling like pistol dueling sword dueling like 
Yeah. What's what's allowed? Like, can you duel with grenades? Guitar yeah. Hero. Guitar Hero. <laughs> there are so many possibilities there's a lot of possibilities and i'm sure they all give blood too i mean so man this has got me intrigued yeah so we'll uh we might have more information about that in the future but the main information and everything that we're going to be talking about this week as as usual of course is going to be michigan football and uh, this is the week, as I already had said, that we're going to be do th- doing our 2018 review. So just kind of a, a quick um, thing to start off with. Uh, Craig and I, I can remember this because Craig and I record, always record our preview uh, episode uh, before the season started. And I think sometimes we do our really early preview episode. But uh, we had our preview and both of us were saying that we thought 2018 regular season was going to go 11 and one, uh, wound up going 10 and two. So, um, just kind of before we jump in, I don't know if you recall Brandon, I mean, it's a little bit, um, easier hindsight and everything. At the beginning of the season, did you have a a guess on what was going to happen with Michigan, uh, for the season for record wise? Uh, I thought I thought we were going to go eleven and one as well. I thought Ohio State was going to be that game we were going to lose. Okay, yeah. So uh, we were, and, and I know it was kind of big discussion between fans. You know that it'd be tough to go undefeated, but Notre Dame and Ohio State being the big hurdles to get over, and of course then those being the two regular season losses. But uh, so Michigan finishing ten and three, um, the close loss in South Bend, uh, twenty four to seventeen. But then, of course, the uh, two humiliating losses at the end of the season by Ohio State and Florida. So just just a mess there at the end of the season. Um, and we can kind of talk about those and the reaction after that. But let's look at the season as a whole. Um, like I said, 10 and 3. Uh, we know everybody remembers the schedule for the most part and everything. So we're going to discuss uh, some of the best things and some of the worst things, uh, kind of starting off with just the general stuff. And I'm going to swap back between uh, you guys, Craig and Brandon on who leads um, these subjects. But um, for you, Brandon, what would you have highlighted as the uh, best game for Michigan in 2018? Oh man, we had a lot of blowout games uh, there early on, but I think, our best overall team game has to be against Michigan state, you know, holding them to um, under a hundred yards of total offense. Um, just the fact that it's a rivalry, all stuff went on before the game. I, I would have to say that's our best game of the season. Yeah. The, and uh, it's almost kind of crazy to think where we are now that about all the drama and everything that happened before that game. Um, but yeah, that, uh, that was definitely a big one. I mean, it was a hurdle because of everybody talking about Harbaugh and his, uh, records against the rivals, uh, nothing to really, uh, po- nothing much positive to say with Ohio state. And then of course, uh, how things started off with, uh, Notre Dame. But, uh, I know that Brandon took probably the, uh, biggest and obvious one that I would probably say like 80% of the fans would, would have said Craig, but do you have, uh, other games that were big highlights or maybe another game that you would argue as the biggest game for Michigan in 2018? Well, I mean, Brandon brought up, a you know, one of the, probably the one I would have brought up because I lived here in East Lansing and to beat these guys on my, in my area is always a good thing. So I don't have to hear them 
chirping in my ear at work, everywhere I go. So, yeah, that would be one of mine. But I'll, you know, kind of, I'll pick the next one down. And that would probably be Wisconsin because of the very fact is, uh, I know they are playing at Michigan Stadium, but a lot of the major pieces were there for Wisconsin. The great offensive line, uh, Hornybrook, pretty good uh, quarterback who took us down to the wire what, a couple of years ago. Um, and then to have one of the best, I think one of the best running backs in the country and uh, Jonathan Taylor, who almost went 2,000 yards rushing, is uh, and to pretty much slap him around and, and beat him was pretty good to see. And I had Wisconsin winning that conference. And so uh, to see him beat him that well um, is pretty amazing. And uh, I think that's a really big win for Michigan, if you think about it. So Michigan State, I'd say tops, number one, because they're rival. They've always been a big rival, and then I think Wisconsin's right there. So, Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's good, and I'm actually really glad that you brought that up because I was going to say that essentially would be my second um, best game of the year. I, I was at that game, and uh, the atmosphere was crazy. That was the um, the first big home game that Michigan had of the season because uh, before that it was Western Michigan, SMU, Nebraska, and Maryland. Um, so a lot of people were looking towards that game. So it was the first game that the crowd really got into. Uh, a lot of fun. Michigan, uh, it was kind of a slow start. But, yeah, it was one of their better defensive performances. I think uh, in early in the fourth quarter, Hornybrook had only three completions and he had two interceptions. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, great performance overall. I'm going to throw an interesting one in here. Uh, and I kind of want to then hear your guys' thoughts on all of them and everything, if you guys have anything else to add. But uh, I'm not going to say that was the greatest game, but it was good to see um, them go through this, and especially kind of because what wound up happening with the the team that they played, but Northwestern winning the West Division and them being on the road, being down, and being – as ugly as it was, you know, it was an ugly game, not saying it was best game, but I think it was really good to see them be able to fight back from behind on the road and win. Um, because you don't see that a whole lot. I mean, they were trying to do that, uh, in South Bend against Notre Dame and they couldn't do it. They weren't able to do it against Ohio state. When they played Ohio state, they weren't able to do on a neutral field against Florida. Um, so you don't see that a whole lot. Um, especially with how late it was, like how late that comeback came. Like sometimes they'll fight back in the first half and everything. So not necessarily under the best games of the year, but I did want to kind of point that out as that was like a game kind of hurdle and everything. So, uh, Brandon, did you have any thoughts to share about the Wisconsin game or the Northwestern game? Uh, no, I I mean, I agree with what you said on that Northwestern game. Uh, man, that first half was so brutal. Uh we couldn't get anything going. Uh, they were so pumped up. Uh, Northwestern was, and man, we came out in the, the second half. We made some adjustments, and you know, we we finally took that game. And it, like you said, it wasn't pretty, but you know, we got the win, got out of there. And Northwestern, I guess, throughout the season, kind of proved that you know they weren't really a pushover. Yeah, definitely with winning that division and everything. Um, Craig, any thoughts on that before we move along, or? Yeah, Michigan's always had Northwestern's always played Michigan really, really tough, and anybody who, who's been around Michigan football knows that. And Fitzgerald's a great coach. Uh, the very fact is, 
is, is you bringing that up is actually a great, great point is that was one of those games where it kind of gets that monkey off Michigan's back. It's that whole, uh, you're driving down. And I think I, we, I think we both were texting back and forth saying, this is one of those uh, pivotal points in Michigan football where can you get a first down to seal the win and things like that. And Michigan usually blows it punts. And then the other team drives down for the win and Michigan was able to sustain a drive down to seal the victory. Um, and yeah, the game was close uh, to actually go to a Northwestern and beat them on their home turf is pretty cool. But uh, that was one thing I thought was really amazing to see Michigan actually get first down, sustain that drive and keep Northwestern from even remotely scoring. So that's big. Yeah, that's a good thing to point out because that was a big thing with 2017 where there were some of those games that could have turned out differently if Michigan could have only gotten some first downs and things like that. So yeah, that's something to, that was something good to point out. So uh, to continue to talk about, uh, do you guys want to continue talking about the uh, best and then finish off with the worst, or do you kind of want to want me to mix it up? I don't, I don't know if we should talk about the good stuff and then end on the terrible stuff, even though technically that's kind of how the season went. But <laughs> yeah, we can do both. <laughs> all right, mi- mix it up a little bit. Okay, so we'll yeah, go to all right. We'll go to the other end of the spe- uh, spectrum then, and then talk about the worst games. Um, so this obviously is kind of uh pretty easy so i'll i'll just say obviously because we'll be talking about the losses uh, and then i'm interested to hear your feedback what you thought um are were some of the reasons behind it or what were some of the huge things missed just takeaways kind of from these uh losses um my ranking and then also i want to kind of hear your ranking my ranking on the three losses and how bad they were was number one pretty easy ohio state um, but then uh, the second worst loss I gave to Florida and then the third worst loss, uh, Notre Dame. And I'll say this before I hand it off to you, Craig, then um, I kind of was going back and forth with Florida and Notre Dame because I know that the Florida loss was by a larger margin. But, you know, and and not saying that the game should ride on three players, but or lo- missing players, but missing Gary um, Bush, Higdon. Um, and uh, things of that nature had its uh, effect and everything. And as a bowl game, and everybody always throws that thing out there. If it's not the playoffs, and you know what are you really playing for and everything? But Notre Dame was, you know, straight up. Hey, it's a regular season game. It's a rivalry game. This is important. So I was kind of back and forth. But in the end, with just how atrocious the performance was, I put Florida at the number two spot. So Craig, how would you rank those losses, and what are some of your takeaways from that? Well, I mean, obviously the number one, I think just being in season and conference and, you know, I'll, you know, I'm going to kind of pick the obvious, you know, I could have say Notre Dame because of certain factors, but if you say Ohio state, yeah, that's probably the worst one, um, worst loss for Michigan, uh, only because there was so much on the line for that game. I mean, we're not talking about hey, Michigan's got nine wins or eight wins, and it's not vying for anything. Man, this was this was so pivotal. There were so many factors in this game. Was the rivalry able to beat Urban Meyer before he retires? Right, you got that on the line. That's before we even knew that. Um, and for Jim Harbaugh to finally beat Urban Meyer's one, and then two, you could won the Big Ten Conference Championship. Go on. 
to get that title that Jim Harbaugh has been wanting every year and Michigan fans have. And then you get the, if you win it, you're, you're, you sealed your deal to go into the college football playoffs and you, there was so much on the line and then you just get butt smacked by Ohio <laughs> State so bad. And I mean, you didn't even walk away with, you know, uh, the JT short possibility. Right. And, that never happened. It was just wasn't close. The game wasn't even close at at times. You kind of thought, oh yeah, Michigan got a couple touchdowns and keep it an interesting game. After that, the second half, no adjustments. It was bad all around. Uh, Haskins obviously just picked apart Michigan's defense, and it was over. And I think that them coming out and not making adjustments was so disappointing and disappointing a lot of fans and and so much. Uh, pressure on Michigan. We had so many things on the line on that game, and we just kind of laid a turd. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 for sure. So then, what would you do for the number two and the number three spot? Um, I would probably say I'll probably say uh, Notre Dame was one of the worst, only because the fact is, if Notre Dame finished the season with Winbush. I could understand, hey, you know, Winbush is good. No, they didn't. Actually, they went to Ian Book. <laughs> and we got beat by Winbush, who can't throw. <laughs> and so he was throwing up bombs, and we our defense couldn't stop him. And Winbush got replaced by Ian Book, who ended up being a really, really good quarterback and uh, got him to the college football playoffs and um, did really well. And I'm kind of thankful that he didn't play because they, we probably would have lost even worse. But uh, – that was a bad loss just because of the fact is I think Winbush got benched. So, and then obviously the next one would be Florida. Only I'm going to keep Florida at third. I know we got smacked around pretty bad, but uh, the fact is that we didn't have all our players. I get that. Um, we didn't, we weren't full strength at all, but uh, yeah, it was a bad showing by Michigan. Another game that just got, wasn't even close. So. Yeah. I was kind of keeping that at third because we didn't have all our players. We didn't have uh, Higdon. We didn't have Bush. We didn't have some of those key guys, but that's little. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So then, uh, Brandon, I'll hand it off to you. Your thoughts on those three games and how you would rank them? Uh, my ranking, I had the same as Craig. Uh, I mean, we've talked about the Ohio State game. There isn't really too much else to say about that. Uh, other than my my frustration with that game, towards the end I couldn't even watch it anymore. It was just making me so angry that how many crossing patterns and like quick slants did Haskins throw? Like how many times did we have to see Paris Campbell catch a ball and then go like twenty thirty yards before anybody was near him? Yeah, mm-hmm. picking on and water. then what's that, Craig? Oh, I said and picking on the corner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Watson. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then uh, second, I had uh, the Notre Dame game. Um, just because, you know, our our defense didn't show up in the first half. And then they showed up in the second half. But then our offense didn't do anything at all. And that was incredibly frustrating. The offensive line played terrible. And like Craig said, the fact that we basically got beat by their uh, backup quarterback because he was replaced shortly after that. <laughs> yeah, he was. That was bad. The bowl game, um, I mean, I had that third as bad of a blowout as that was. It's just, you know, we're missing those those starters, and they were such key players, too. 
Yeah. Uh, and I mean, onto that too is what made that game frustrating is that it seems like we didn't even really try. Mm-hmm. As yeah. it's like none of our coaches prepared for anything. The guys, players going out there didn't really seem to care too much. It's like, okay, well, you know, we didn't win the Big Ten and go to the playoffs, so you know, why does this even matter? Why are we out here? Kind of thing. I mean, that's the at least the feeling I got. And I mean, it was a bad performance, like all around. It was like, I feel like uh, Patterson completed more pack passes to uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, the safety from Florida, as he did some of the receivers we have. It, yeah. it was just a frustrating <laughs> game all around. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that's really interesting for you to bring that up because it's almost kind of like Michigan started or finished how they started because uh, I remember specifically saying after the Notre Dame game, it's just like, what did you prepare for? Like all off season, you have the first game, you can prepare specifically for that team. And it looked like they just went in there with like, okay, th- we're Michigan. This is how we're going to play offense. This is how we're going to play defense. It doesn't matter who we're playing against. And then they did not match up well against Notre Dame because Michigan was just trying to play Michigan football, not play to their opponent uh, and uh, attack their weaknesses and everything like that. And that's exactly what it looked like in Florida, too, uh, where it was just kind of like, we're not really going in with a game plan. We're just going to go in there and play Michigan football. And it sucked both times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You're talking about, uh, yeah, we're missing key players. But then, you know, I was saying you give a pass to all those and then you look at it and say, hey, you know what? And then when are you gonna? What pass are you gonna give to clock management in that game? That clock management in that Florida game was horrid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Two minutes to go, and you guys—they're like, like moving the ball, running the ball the whole time. I'm like, there's no sense of urgency. The clock management, the coaching was bad. I mean, you can't even give any kind of pass to that. And so, yeah, just like you said, Caleb, it seems like in those games it looked like that Michigan was went in unprepared for those opponents at all they didn't exploit their weaknesses at all so yeah for sure for sure and that was even not just like the end of the game it was like the end of the first half i remember that that was really bad so uh that'll actually uh, that actually kind of feeds in perfectly because i'll mention this one we'll we'll not burn through all of the uh worsts and everything of the season uh but i think it feeds well into the worst moments from 2018 so not specific games but worst moments um and so you talking about the poor two, uh, clock management in those games kind of works out perfectly for this. I'm going to mention a few things that I remember and that I wrote down. And then if either of you guys remember anything, I'll be kind of curious what you bring up. Because this doesn't even have to be with losses specifically. Like especially with like the Northwestern game or some other games. Like what was it? When was it? Of just like what in the world is going on? So some of the things I wrote down. Uh, most of them were uh, for Ohio State and Notre Dame, but uh, we already t- mentioned the OSU crossing routes against Watson. Uh, I tried to get the highlights that I could, but I think Watson was essentially responsible for coverage on four touchdowns by Ohio State. Um, so there's yeah, there's, there's that information. I know I know at least three. I know at least three that he was the one chasing down the a receiver or the running back on the uh, sideline for a touchdown. Um, the slant, uh, there was a specific uh, time when there was a slant in the middle uh, with Ohio State, and it was um, it was in the second quarter. It was a third and long, 
and it should have just gone for like five yards, but then the whole entire Michigan defense decided not to tackle, and the guy went for like 25 yards. Uh, A couple other things to mention uh, was uh, the blocked punt against Ohio State in the third. It was actually 27 to 19, so it was relatively, you know, it was a one-possession game. And uh, Michigan was punting it away, and then it was punt blocked, and it turned into touchdown. So then it got to thirty four nineteen. That was probably uh, now momentum uh, change, but just like kind of like the nail in the coffin. Because after that, it was just like it was done. There was nothing left coming back from that. Um, but then also uh, one of the worst things too is the seventy eight yard touchdown run allowed against Ohio State. That was in the second half. Uh, but a couple of things to mention with the Notre Dame game um, that really, you know, we were talking about how poor the defensive defense was first half. This was first quarter specific, but there was a 43 touchdown pass allowed by Wimbush. And then also to end the game, clock management and things of that nature that we already talked about. If you guys don't remember, the game ended because Patterson tried to extend the play and he was hanging the ball out and he fumbled the ball, fumbled with 46 seconds left. We were down by one possession. So those were some of the things that I took away. Uh, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on those or if you have um, anything else that you remember. Uh, Maybe it was just like poor one game performance where like some things were just not clicking at all. Uh, I'm I'm curious like what what you guys have kind of in reaction to that. Uh, I'll hand it off to uh, Craig you this time. Well, I think... um... You know, some of those you brought up are really good. I think we had also had a couple that were uh, at the one or two yard line and we couldn't punch it in or something like that. And those are always fails. I can't stand those. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, the only one that really kind of sticks out is just the fail of Michigan not able to remotely stop Haskins in the crossing routes. And like you said, the Watson was just – um, agreed. In fact, it, it, I believe even Ohio State knew that they were going to pick on Watson because he was slower and they just matched up well. And they said, Hey, we're going to get our fastest guy and we're going to put him on Watson because Watson is slow. He's a, he's not a bad cover guy. He's just not. If you ever look at Watson and when it comes down to, you know, the 20 yard line in the red zone and he does, when the defense gets a little bit squished and squeezed, he's pretty good. He's just slow. And he's an open field man trying to battle a guy who runs probably a four three. He just can't keep up, and they picked on him. So, and that was just happening over and over again. I think I don't know. I would love collectively to know how many Michigan fans out there were screaming, uh, "They're picking on you, Watson! Get him out of there! Just put somebody else in there." <laughs> well, I can say for sure, probably three of them on the show. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, get them out of there. Get them out of there. Because we knew that they had the fastest receiver on field against him and no adjustments. And it was just so like you're and that. And then, of course, that running play was just crazy. And the giving up of Haskins, who doesn't normally run on the ball, run the ball, did a good job of running and getting those first downs. Uh, he doesn't have wheels, but he, he certainly looked like he did in that game. And and kept the plays going, and uh, that you know, I I just gonna keep thinking about that. I'm not even gonna think about the the time clock management. It's probably the worst plays of all in Florida, but that's bowl game. So I'll bring yeah. I'll bring it around Ohio State. Yeah, Brandon, any more thoughts on those? 
Um, no, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Uh, jokingly on Friday, I said the the worst moments and worst plays for Michigan all season were just every single second down play. <laughs> yeah, Let's I just line up in that. the eye formation and get like one or two yards or lose a yard or line up in the offset eye formation and lose a yard. And it's now we got a third and long. It seemed like it was that way all game, every game. Yeah. We talked about that at lunch too, Brian. Um, Brian and I had lunch together on Friday, and Caleb, we brought that up. We were just saying, man, how many third and longs were there? Third and eight, third and seven, third and you know, third and ten, constantly because it's like the second down. You know, they're going to run the ball and end up trying to pass the ball and and get out of that. And I'm like, that's not how we Michigan is going to win these games. It's the long, sustainable drives. That's how you're going to win against Ohio State, and it never happened. Um, but uh, yeah. Always eye formation, offset eye, and and you knew what they were going to do. So, frustration. Yeah, absolutely. One other thing that I'll mention quickly here before we move on to uh, be- better topics, uh, the better things, for, some of the better things and everything. Uh, I forgot to mention, and, you know, it didn't wind up being uh, too big of a deal because it, the game wound up being won, um, but it was just kind of a bummer when you look back at it. But uh, with the MSU game, if you guys recall, the reason why they were able to put up points on the board was because of a uh, Patterson-Higdon exchange fumble. Uh, Like, Mm -hmm. gosh, what, the Michigan State 10 or something like that. Uh, So that was kind of unfortunate because, you know, easily, especially with the way that that game turned out defensively, that could have been a shutout. But that's, that's on other side of things. I just felt like mentioning that. But now to... Uh, things on a more positive note, uh, looking at some of the uh, best uh, from the season, like best catches, best throws, best runs, um, and things that you guys remember from the season, uh, I will open it up to uh, Brandon. If you remember, do you remember specific, like some of the best catches from the season uh, that you would bring up and everything? I've got a few written down here too that I'll share after I talk to you guys. Um, I mean, there was a few from, oh man, I can't even think of what game it was, uh, that Gentry had a lot of, a lot of cut, uh, I'm sorry, clutch catches throughout the season. Um, man, I feel like it was definitely not Ohio state. <laughs> oh, definitely not. No. Cause that was, that know. was when you wanted him to do that. And then I remember <laughs> that he dropped the ball big time, but, but exactly. Yeah. I, I can even think of the play. Like it was a little bit behind him. And he jumped up and made like a like a one-handed catch. And I feel like uh, he broke a tackle and went down the sideline. And I can, I can picture it, but I can't picture the game that was in. And I feel like it was Penn State. Okay, yeah, that's possible. Um, he, he was a big asset and everything. Um, and then, uh, Craig, do you, ha- do you have any uh, receptions or anything that stick out to you? Or? Well... There's one actually in, in I think the whole year, and it's. I was pondering this question when you brought it up, like what's one of the biggest plays, and I would say it was against Michigan State, only because both teams obviously went into this game having the best defenses, and Michigan State, heck, well, I think they had one of the top five t- defenses in the country, and so did Michigan. So you knew it was going to be a struggle in bad weather. Uh, all this uh, pre-game crap that they're throwing at each other, both sides and and uh, all that happening. And then at, 
even during that game, I was watching with my dad, and I said, man, sooner or later, we're going to have to open it up. We're going to have to see something here. Machine's got to score. We can't keep this going. We got to start uh, doing something, open up big plays, and then obviously that Shea Patterson throw to uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones in stride on the run was huge, and I think that right there is when uh, Michigan State was in trouble that that was a, one of the best throws I think Shea Patterson had all year is throwing a guy on the run in stride and perfect laid ball right in uh, people's Jones hands. And I remember on the sidelines and breaking through and it was great. So that was the best. I think it's the best t- quarterback to, uh, receiver TD. I think all year you can bring up Nico Collins with his uh, two grabs and, you know, his hands, but that one I think really broke the game for Michigan. So, yeah, no, I, I think that's good. Uh, Brandon, were you going to say something? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Sorry. Some popped. I didn't know if somebody was trying to say something. Um, yeah, no, I think that's a good thing to bring up. I, I think that's a lot of go-to or a go-to for a lot of people. Uh, I think that's probably the best combination between throw and catch um, because, like you said, the throw by Patterson was great. It was pretty much perfect, like you said, catching him in stride. Um uh, you know, over the shoulder, he caught it and everything. I um, de- compare not making it sound easy, but comparing it to other catches throughout the season. You know, it, I wouldn't call it like the most difficult or anything, uh, but uh, also weather permitting, it wasn't that great uh, with the weather conditions. Uh, but yeah, he got it. That was huge. That was the biggest and longest uh, touchdown reception for the year, 79 yards. Uh, so yeah, that was definitely huge. The thing that I want to make sure to bring up, um, and bring back to everyone's memories. Uh, I, I, I was, Collins was huge this year, uh, in my opinion. And I know that the game did not turn out well for us, but he stepped up. He was the guy, uh, probably the best performance for the entire team against Ohio state. I would have to argue was Nico Collins. Because he had two monster catches for touchdowns um, that they were um, physical, tough catches. And he secured them, both of them going to the uh, to the edge of the end zone, catching them, securing them, getting down to the ground uh, and getting those. And those, those were two of the biggest catches uh, of the season, in my opinion. I mean, I know a lot of people kind of don't remember it too much because of how, how bad that game was. But I would have to probably revert to to and say that um, that was probably the single individual best performance in that terrible game. Yeah, and having that, his adjusting to the catch was crazy. I mean, a lot of those balls were behind him, and he had to adjust to get them, and, and just, he he's going to be a baller. So and we were like, more of that. Throw through that dude. That dude is just, you know, what is he, six foot three or four, and, um, and he's a beast, and you got to get it to him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and he had uh, a touchdown grab in the MSU game too, which was a uh, he had to fight people off for. And and, and so I, I'm gonna say this, and I'm totally not comparing him to this other player, but just remembering kind of how this guy did in the NFL and how he was able to grab it, control it, and you know just you know fight off defenders essentially when it was kind of like a jump ball situation. So I'm not saying that Nico Collins is going to be the next to this person, but some of the catches and, um, cause I don't watch a ton of NFL and everything, but just reminded me, um, of how 
uh, Calvin Johnson could get up there and it's just like he would just manhandle and just be like, that's my ball. Like there could be two other or three other people there. And he's just like, no, that's mine. And he would just grab it out from everybody. And so, like I said, I'm not saying that he's going to be a Megatron or anything, (laughs) but I just thought it was really cool to see him, see a Michigan receiver be that physical. So. Yeah. But, but Calvin uh, Johnson, there you go, man. One of the best in the country. So we hope Nico is too. Hey, yeah. If he wants to turn into that, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm cool. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Brandon, I, think, yeah, I think we'd all be fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we'll have a better idea of how good the rider. I mean, we all know how that the wide receivers are good, but I think we'll be able to see a lot more of it next year. It'll be interesting to see how that progresses. Um, so then, um, uh, in the same genre of things, uh, best runs uh, of what you kind of can remember from 2018. Um, again, I've got notes and things run down here and everything. Uh, Craig, do you, do anything? Do any stick out to you? Uh, do you remember uh, from any games, any specific situations uh, that there were some runs uh, from the 2018 season? I do. I have one, and one alone, and that is by Shea Patterson, 81-yard run. He didn't get the touchdown. He almost did. But he's the second quarterback in Michigan history next to Denard Robinson to get that long of a a second longest uh, run in Michigan history. So that's pretty cool. But uh, he didn't get the TD, which bums me. But that was one heck of a run, man. He was wide open and he ran it. So I knew that was probably up there as the longest uh, quarterback run in Michigan history next to Denard. So that was pretty cool. I mean, you can bring up a lot of other ones, Higdon and and Evans and those guys, but uh, that one was that was pretty good, cool to see. Yeah, for sure. Um, Brandon, anything else stick out to you? I know that, uh, uh, and there was a lot of running for Michigan football in 2018, so it's kind of tough to maybe pull out some. But did you have uh, any other runs uh, to make mention of? Uh, yeah, the one that really stood out to me was that um, 67-yarder that Higdon had against Western. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that yeah. was that was a great run, and also in the same game, didn't Evans? Evans had about a 40-yard run. He did as yeah. well for a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, that's right. Yeah, and that 67-yarder by Higdon was his longest, uh, longest run of the season as well as his longest touchdown run obviously then so yeah for sure yeah so the evans run i believe is even up the middle so which is rare so yeah those are yeah, always he, fun. Bro- he broke some arm tackles on that too which is even more rare <laughs> right yeah. right so yeah now, those one, are all good runs yeah one of them i wanted to mention i i know this uh doesn't really go that high up there because it wound up i've I remember watching it again because I've watched some of the games over again or some of the highlights since the season's been done. And I wanted to watch more to get prepared for this episode, but I was having PC issues with my computer and all that crap. So I didn't get around to doing as much research as I wanted to. But uh, in the Michigan State game, there was actually, uh, honestly, it's probably Higdon's best run of the season. I think it was like 25 yards. Um, And so kind of like from midfield into Michigan state territory. And he first was supposed to go up the middle, but then it got blocked and he wound up going to his left and he broke two or three tackles within the first five yards. And then he got pushed out to the outside 
ran up, had a blocker in front of him, and then he started getting swarmed, and he started cutting inside, and he broke another tackle. Like, just honestly, probably his best, strongest run. Uh, and unfortunately, it wound up turning into no points. I can't. I don't know exactly why. I don't know exactly what happened, but I do know that Michigan didn't wind up putting any points on the board from that. So uh, I did want to mention that one if uh, anybody remembered that run. But, yeah, yeah, it was a great. Yeah. So um, uh, we'll kind of flip back over to the other side of things. Some of the uh, some of the worst things. I, I wanted to. I almost wanted to mention this earlier, but I decided not to. Uh, I think this is kind of a. Um, I wanted to come back to it later, but some of the worst statistics from defensive performance for the year. I, I find this kind of interesting, and I want to get your guys' feedback on this. So I'm going to share some some stats, and then I'm going to be like, "What what are your thoughts on this?" Because some of it's really interesting to me. So. Uh, I don't have anything for total yards from a game, but I just I broke things down on worst defensive stats for yards per game that the Michigan defense allowed. So uh, the worst ru- uh, number of rushing yards that Michigan allowed, here are the first three. Uh, Florida got 257, Ohio State got 249, and then Rutgers got 193. Kind of interesting. So then I was just like, okay, the worst games for Michigan – uh, performance-wise, let's look at those. So Notre Dame came in at seventh for their out of their 13 games at 132 yards. But then the game that they struggled with against Northwestern, where they had to come back and win it, they only let up 28 rush yards against Northwestern, which is totally blows my mind. So then, uh, <laughs> so then we'll go to the other side though, and the uh, passing, uh, the worst amount of passing yards that the Michigan defense allowed. 318 against Ohio State. Uh, next is kind of surprising because it's 209 by SMU and then 195 by Indiana. Um, the losses that Michigan had, Florida and Notre Dame were both tied at the fifth spot for 170 yards. So basically when Michigan fell apart uh, rush-wise for rush defense is when Michigan wound up losing games. It wasn't so much that they were giving up passing yards. It was that they were giving up rushing yards. So that thought that was kind of an interesting thing to point out. Um, your guys' thoughts from that? Uh, any other kind of takeaways from realizing that? Uh, some of those numbers and everything? Uh, I forgot Rutgers had such a big run run day against us. I guess most of it hinged off from that um, one long touchdown run that they yeah. had. Man, I can't remember that guy's name. Uh, He's pretty much like their only good player. Yeah, and it was eighty yards. Yeah, something. Yeah, that that was bad. Yeah, they. Yeah, he had the whole defense move up, and then he found a hole, and he was gone. One of their fastest players, I believe, on that team. So, but yeah, Caleb, you're right. There's just it seemed like there was some kind of correlation. The only game I would say maybe it didn't apply. Did you bring up the Notre Dame game? Um. The Notre Dame game, I think they threw a little bit more. I think there was a little bit more uh, passing at deep bombs that just the the defense and secondary just whiffed on. So I mean, might be get, uh, things like that. But yeah, I mean, Indiana, Rutgers, and all those games that seemed to be, give us troubles were all games that uh, seemed to be that the running backs they had big yardage on the on the ground. Uh, it is, that is really interesting. You brought that up, like the Ohio State Florida game. So, 
Yeah, yeah. With the North or the Notre Dame game was 170 passing yards. So, yeah, like we said, it was that was kind of like a half of a game where the yeah. defense said nothing. Nothing. So while uh, Notre Dame didn't get a lot of passing yards when they did in the first half, yeah, they had some big, huge chunk yards. Right. Right. So like one of them was 45 yards or something like that for a yeah. touchdown. So, yeah. And then a couple quick notes here before we move on. Just to add to these numbers, the most rushing touchdowns allowed by Michigan was three against Florida, two against Ohio State, uh, Notre Dame, Maryland, and Northwestern then. Um, And then the passing touchdowns was five passing touchdowns against Ohio State, and then three by SMU. So some, some of those ugly and worst numbers of the year, but on to the brighter things. Yeah. Um, that um that player from Rutgers, by the way, was Isaiah Pacheco. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, Pacheco. Yeah. Inter- yeah, I remember that interesting name. So um okay, so here's a interesting thing uh conversation that I want to have uh to see what you guys would say on what you think for the who who do you feel had the better performance between uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones and Nico Collins. Like just, just in general, don't. I mean, I don't know if you guys are on laptops or anything looking it up. Who, in your impression, had the bigger year in 2018? Brandon, I'll start with you. Just like you don't really need to go into detail, but just kind of like your opinion and things like that. Uh, for an overall better season, I would say Peoples-Jones, uh, just because uh, I believe he put up more yards. But he always seemed to be, you know, more of our focal point than Collins. Collins always made the big catches, but uh, Peoples Jones always seemed to do the dirty work. Um, Collins, though, he took a big step up from last year. Yeah, he was sure. rather ineffective last year, mm-hmm. and this year he had uh, quite a few touchdowns. Yeah, he'd be like most improved uh, wide receiver for yeah, sure. So. Um, and Craig, your thoughts on the two wide receivers? Yeah, I think, um, uh, down in the people's Jones has kind of been pretty consistent from this year and last year. He's always, um, got pretty good hands and, and stretches the field pretty well. But, uh, you know, I'm going to go with, uh, just Nico Collins just because the very fact is that adjustments on catches he made, um, he's bailed us out on, I thought were throws by Shea Patterson. They were a little off, a little behind him, you know, a little bit, uh, you could even say uncatchable, but he was able to catch him because he's so good. So those are all things, uh, he did really, really well. Um, yeah, his receiving yards, what did what he get the 632 on the year, something like that. And he had six touchdowns. So yeah, it, it just him moving and moving the chains and actually watching Shea go to him a little bit more, open things up for people's Jones. So I think Nico, I think you're going to start seeing Shea going to Nico a little bit more and saying, Hey, you know what? If there's a third and long or something like that, maybe I just toss it up to Nico and then he'll get it because it's that tall and he makes great adjustments. So, yeah, he, um, and again, not, not saying that, uh, you know, trying to make a compare him to great and like put that pressure on or anything kind of like that. But there are some of those things that you see, and it makes me think of, you know, like Braylon Edwards. 
Yeah, well, you know, yeah. it's just like, hey, throw it. He's, he's going to adjust it. He's going to get it. He's going to catch it. Now, of course, the Michigan passing game this year was not – the rushing game was more of a focus this year than the passing game, so you did not see that. Um, but who knows what next year could hold because maybe maybe you do have more of that where it's just like, okay, we're passing a lot, and it's just like, hey, Nico, we need this, and we're going we're gonna to look at you because we know that you have the strength and ability to do that. So – um, I'll share some of the stat, uh, specific stats here that I find kind of interesting. Um, in six of the games, Nico Collins was the leading receiver with the most yards. Uh, and for Donovan Peoples-Jones, it was just two games. And uh, Collins led with the most yards at 632, but uh, DPJ was not very far away with uh, 612. Uh, but Peoples-Jones led the team with 47 receptions. I don't know how many targets, but 47 receptions, and Collins had 38. Uh, the longest reception uh, went to Peoples-Jones. He had the 79 against uh, MSU, but then Collins had a 52-yarder. And as far as the amount of touchdowns, uh, as you said, Craig, six for Nico Collins, but then uh, Peoples-Jones had eight. So very interesting, like, quite even where one would be have more in one category, but then the next would uh, have something else in the next category. So those two guys looking really good and really excited and have them for next year. So I like pointing that out um, as we move along. So I know that we're kind of pushing on time and everything, so I don't want to go too long. Yeah, we've still got a little bit here, but um, so one thing that I want to kind of point out here before I open up to a couple other conversations here, we've already talked about kind of like a lot of touchdowns and things like that, but I'll bring this one. Actually, no, I kind of want to see if either of you guys remember this, but do you guys remember any like, uh, whether it's pivotal or just the most impressive, like big touchdowns from 2018. I'm, I'm curious. So uh, I think we started with Brandon first last time. Uh, so Craig, w- a, a big touchdown, some of the big touchdowns that stood out to you doesn't have to, I mean, they weren't necessarily a lot of game winners because there were a lot of blowout wins and everything like that, but some of the touchdowns that stood out to you. Well, obviously that people's Jones touchdown was big for Mich- at Michigan state because uh kind of open things up and then i think some of those nico collins touchdowns even against ohio ohio state or even big catches were huge so um for michigan um <clears throat> that might have opened up things for next year to see jay might be a little bit more comfortable to throw into him so um but uh yeah i would say you know looking back at some of those was um Looking at the Evans, you know, it, it is interesting that Brandon brought that up because now I remember him, like, that was pretty huge to see Evans um, kind of break through there and uh, get some touchdowns because he's got speed and stuff, and then the combination of him and then Higdon. But, uh, yeah, I, I would say a, a few of those. Um, there's not too many that I was like, you know, they were – the biggest, but I would say the People's Jones one, the one that really stands out the most. So, against MSU. Okay, and uh, Brandon, any thoughts on some of the touchdowns from last year? Uh, I had two. Uh, my first one was the People's Jones one against uh, Michigan State. Um, I mean, that really just kicked the game off for us. Um, one that I actually almost forgot about until I was looking back today 
was uh, Metellus's pick six against SMU. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you oh, guys yeah. remember that. Yeah, but, yeah. man, there was like four times where I thought he was going to be tackled during that return. Yeah, yep, I do. Because that was along the uh, far sideline, and then he cut back to the middle of the field, I think, for that, right? Yeah, and then he stumbled probably with, with uh, like five yards left. Yeah. He regained he got, himself and got in the end zone. Yeah, didn't Peoples Jones have a kick return for a touchdown that he like weaved all over the dang field for a touchdown? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like a punt return or a kickoff return. And I don't know. He like he must have weaved all the way around the whole entire I remember that. That was huge. That, I mean it wasn't it wasn't key to the game, but it was really cool to see. So. Yeah. Uh, well, that uh, that feeds directly kind of into something that I was going to that some we didn't see before. Um, this isn't the main one I'm going to point out, but um, there was a Peoples Jones touchdown against Maryland that I thought was kind of huge. I thought maybe it might play more throughout the season that we might see it. Didn't exactly turn out that way, but I thought it was one of the best. Um, there was a play around midfield. Um, I think it was like 40 yards out, something like that. And Patterson dropped back. He got uh, pressured in and he had to step out of the pocket, throw on the run to Peoples Jones, who kind of like sat back in a, in a zone, I think, where there was a hole, caught it. And instantaneously, the most amazing blocking that I've seen for a reception, um, Gentry, Eubanks, and Wilson turn and blot their guys in front of him. There were at least three, if not four defenders between Peoples Jones and the end zone. And they blot on the turn of a dime and Peoples Jones weaved his way through for about like a 35 yard touchdown. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. I remember that. <laughs> now awesome. the, the interesting thing I want to bring up here, because I almost forgot about this because it gets lost in everywhere. Because it, it, because of kind of when it happened and things like this, but I would have to probably argue that the most pivotal touchdown, um, was not brought up. Like nobody brought it up, nobody mentioned it, nobody's even mentioned this player yet. Mm. And so, do you guys remember probably the biggest touchdown in the Notre Dame game? Hmm. Man, I think I erased that game from my memory. I know. It's a a long time ago. And so if you don't go back throughout the year, you totally forget about this. Mm, Interesting. It's a player who both played on offense and defense. Thomas? Yeah. Yes. You guys remember that? Yep. Mm -hmm. It was towards the end of the first half. And it was like 3 to 14 or something. Or 21, 21 to three, I think. Yeah, twenty-one to three, if I'm not mistaken. And Thomas took like a ninety-eight yard kickoff return and made it twenty-one to ten before half. Mm-hmm. That I say is probably one of the most pivotal ones. Michigan didn't win the game, but if he had not done that, that game would have ended it and it would have been twenty-four to ten. And it would have been even more embarrassing for Michigan. Yeah, that was uh yeah, you're right. Because it would have been even a big, bigger slaughter than it was. Yeah, because it, it wound up at its back in the game, right? Yeah, yeah, that got that kept us in it. The defense kept us in it in the second half. It wound up being a twenty-four to seventeen game. Still a loss. Still didn't look good. Um, but you know, I mean, honestly, if it a twenty-four to seventeen game on the road looks out better than twenty-four to 
10. Heck, honestly, if that touchdown didn't happen, it maybe could have turned worse because that may have worn more on the team in the second half, thinking that they weren't even in it to fight to win. Mm-hmm. So I think that that was one of the most impressive ones and kind of a quote-unquote pivotal one. Like I said, Michigan didn't win, but it did have a big impact. So I, I, I when I came across it, I was almost amazed because I was just like, wow, I remember that being so huge, but everybody forgets about it because, one, it was a loss, and second of all, it was the first game of the season. So... Yeah, that was yeah, it was the beginning of the year, so it was crazy. You wouldn't we wouldn't remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and plus we lost too. So yeah. Yeah. Now uh something that I want uh probably the last thing that we're gonna talk about here before I kind of maybe spit some stats out and everything and then uh we end the episode. I wanna have a conversation here with all of us about the um the up and coming players. You know, there were s- several players well, probably more than several, but there were quite a few players that had an impact this year that were fun and impressive to watch. So, Brandon, we'll start with you. Some of the players, I mean, if you want to talk about some specific plays, but there were definitely some players that stood out that uh, we know that we're going to be watching in 2019. So what were some of the things that stood out to you? Um, I mean, uh, Uche, he really stepped up uh, a couple of games that Gary was out. I actually mm-hmm. thought he was more productive pass rushing than Gary was. Uh, other guys, I mean, True Wilson, he, I mean, he didn't really have much playing time before this season, and he really stepped up in the. And I can't remember what game was that. What game was that? That Higdon was out. Um, right towards the beginning of the season. Was it SMU or? Um... That sounds about right. It was one of those. Games against a smaller school that we ended up. Yeah, it was it was, out, SM, it was SMU. Sorry. Yeah, I remember. Um, yeah, Wilson. He played really well in that game. Yeah, yeah, and his blocking ability, like his ability to block, he he hustled every single play, and he his blocking was amazing. Uh, Evans, that's not a strong point for him. Higdon has done all right, but honestly, I think True Wilson was potentially the best running back blocker that we had. And then his ability to then uh, either block or run or even be uh, an option for catching a pass, uh, he was he was fantastic. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future with him. Uh, Craig, your thoughts on up and coming players? <clears throat> up and coming players, I will say this and. I'm going to bring up one name. Okay. And this name doesn't get talked about enough, but I talk about it way more than I should. And a lot of people tell me to be quiet about this guy. I'm going to bring up Jake Moody, man. Damn it, man. I'm going to punch you in the face. I was going to say that. (laughs) Yes, man. Jake Moody. Come on, everybody. We got a kicker. Dang it. (laughs) I figured you could bring him up. Your man crush. (laughs) Man crusher, Moody. Dang, that dude bailed us out of so many. He gets the record of six, what, field goals during the Indiana game? I mean, that guy pulled us through when Nordine was, like, hooking him left and right in a, some kind of bad, like, college football video game. I mean, come on. It, that, that guy is awesome because Nordine comes in as a five-star, four, high four-star kicker. Heck, Jim Harbaugh even spent the night over his house for no apparent reason. No, Should have never happened. And then Moody comes in and, and kicks his way to being the starter. And, you know, rest is history. So 
man, that just makes me feel so much better knowing we got a kicker. So. Yeah, no, I, I had that down. I was going to bring that up. He was 10 for 11 on field goals, and his only miss was a uh, a kick over 50 yards. And yeah. he had uh, he made a 48-yarder. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. – he, he was – uh, he was well, big. It was good to get him in there. Well, even Will Hart. I mean, you want to talk about these guys that really don't matter. I mean, you want to talk about the punter. Uh, comes in, fills in. Will Hart comes in and punts Michigan pretty well. Gives every uh, – look at how many times he uh, did great punts with Michigan State. They were all pinned in their uh, – back back in their uh, end zone, and it was they were difficult for them to even get out of there. So Will Hart stepped up. That was awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, two players that I have to mention defensively, um, Quiddy Pay and uh, Hutchinson, both yeah. looked good. Uh, so it'll be uh, fun watching them, and uh, it was good to see them step up and do more this year. Uh, but uh, I had Jake Moody down, but one that definitely has to be mentioned. Uh, well, it was – oh, man, shoot. Um, uh, Shoot, what's his name now? Uh, there's there's another. Uh, I'll look it up and I'll have to mention him too. But can't forget about uh, Ronnie Bell. Yeah, uh, he looked really good. He um, and I know I'm, I'm saying things like this and you know comparing people. Not saying that they're going to be like them, but just their moves and things reminded me of it. But honestly, when Ronnie Bell would catch a pass in the open, his moves would remind me of Mike Hart. Yeah. Like he's he's a little bit smaller. He's quick. He's quick. He's agile. There was one where it was just fantastic. I think he made two guys uh, miss at different points in time because he caught it and uh, he dodged people out of the way and he got in for the touchdown. Like just fantastic. I think it was a pass from uh, McCaffrey, which of course I mean you can't go and not mention McCaffrey too. He looks fantastic and it's awesome to be able to say that we have a capable backup. Uh, the other one though for uh, for the offense to mention was uh oliver martin um was good to see him get active and everything too just really fun really good to see some things going for next year Uh, and we'll watch kind of see how that all plays out and everything so but okay i'm uh since we're pushing on time here and everything uh, uh to finish off i'm gonna mention some season stats both defensively and offensively, and then we'll just kind of finish with like general general thoughts, and then we'll wrap up the episode and everything. So, um, some uh, de- season defensive stats here that I want to throw out. Uh, solo tackles, the leader for the team. Uh, I found this kind of interesting. It was ha- uh, it was Tyree Kennel with forty six mm-hmm. solo tackles. Um, I that that's not quite who I was expecting. But uh, but then assisted tackles, the leader was Devin Bush with 41. Uh, then uh, overall, the total tackle leader uh, was Devin Bush with 79. Uh, second was Tyree Kennel. And uh, then after that, third was Chase Winovich with 69. Uh, here's an interesting thing, too, just with kind of how things turned out. But uh, the most pick sixes, it was tied between Metellus and Watson. Both of them got three on the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, great. And then uh, Sachs, uh, the leader was Uche with seven, and Bush was second with five. And this one is crazy, but tackles for loss. The leader was Chase Winovich, and he had 17. Yeah. Wow. In second came Devin Bush, and he had nine. 
Yeah, that's crazy, man. That is insane. <laughs> you um, know, you're double teaming Gary and guys like that, and Winovich just went off. So got oh, his yeah. opportunity and crazy. Yeah, and so, so that's not, and that's an exact thing to say. It's not that some of the other players weren't as good. Like, see, they're double teaming somebody, but you know, between Winovich, Gary. And Bush, you know, somebody's going to not be double teamed. And Winovich definitely capitalized on a lot of that. Um, then uh, some offensive stats here and everything that I want to throw out uh, before we finish. Uh, Patterson finished eighth on the all-time Michigan season completion record with 210 completions. He also finished eighth on the all-time Michigan season uh, passing record with uh passing yards with 2,600. He finished fifth on the all-time record for season passing touchdowns with 22 touchdowns <clears throat> and then uh he averaged 200 yards passing per game uh his longest pass was 79 to people's jones uh donovan people's jones is tied with the most receiving touchdowns in a single game uh, i think there's like one player with five there's two tie two or three tied with uh four reception uh touchdowns in a game and there's a long list of players that have three and uh, so that was his game versus SMU. He had three touchdown receptions. And then Higdon, uh, who broke 1,000 yards, averaged uh, over 107 yards per game. So some of those highlights and everything there. Uh, since we're here um, and time is kind of running long, uh, just general thoughts in closing on the 2018 season. Don't really have to look forward to 2019. We'll have our own episode talking about all that stuff. But any other final thoughts on the uh, 2018 season? Uh, Craig, uh, what do you have to say? Um, yeah, I mean, overall, it's, it's just one of those years where you can, whatever whatever you say, you're going to be wrong with some Michigan fans, correct? It's like, you could say mm-hmm. it's a great year. You're going to be Michigan fans go, what are you talking about? It's not a great year. We didn't win the Big Ten. We didn't go to the national a championship playoff game. We didn't do any of that. It's a failed year. And then I go, yep, you're right. And then if you say it's a terrible year, you get the Michigan fans going, hey, what are you talking about? We had 10 wins. <laughs> That's great. It's better than last year. And I'm like, yep, it's true. So you're, I'm somewhere in between where I'm going, I'm damned if I do and damned if I don't. So I'll guess I'll stick with on Jim Harbaugh's right from the beginning of the season said, hey, you know what? We have to win the Big Ten championship. That's the goal. Um, and the goal was to get it, and we didn't get it. So I would say, yeah, it was a failed year. Um, I'm, in his terms, it was. I mean, if you're not winning it and it goes to Ohio State, I guess you could say it was a failed year. But 10 wins is great, but you got to beat your rival. And everything goes to Ohio State. And <laughs> – you know what? I I'm probably gonna get Michigan fans on that side's not gonna like me, but oh well. It's it ten wins is awesome if you look at it just by stats, but you didn't win the Big Ten and that matters. Yeah, absolutely. So good good points to bring up. Uh Brandon, your thoughts then with the uh two thousand eighteen season kinda as an overview. Uh, I kinda feel the same way Craig does. I, I would say that it was a you know the the season was a failure. Um, you know, like I said at the beginning of the show, I expected them to go 11 and 1. Um, I did expect them to beat Notre Dame. So, I mean, the season started off with some frustration. Uh, it got exciting in the middle, uh, you know, with all the blowout wins we had, the dominating game against Michigan State. Uh, we dominated Penn State as well. 
but then, I mean, that Ohio State game just put a, you know, that was just like the big, the big stinky game in there that ruined the, the whole season. Uh, I mean, it was just downhill from that. You could tell that some of the effort wasn't there in the bowl game. Um, we had guys sitting out. Uh, kind of like we've been talking the last couple weeks, uh, especially with Higdon sitting out. The, that was the one that was kind of interesting because he played in the senior bowl. And he's not he's not a day one uh, draft pick. Might not even be a day two draft pick. So it was, it was really quite weird, that one. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, you know, start off with frustration, fun in the middle. But frustrating at the end. I mean, I would say, I would say the season's a failure because the hype we had going into the Ohio State game. You know, like, okay, all we have to do is beat Ohio State. We'll go to the Big Ten game. We're going to play Northwestern again. Uh, we beat Northwestern the last time, so we can do it again. We're going to go to the playoff, and you know all that blew up, especially with that that huge blowout was just a dagger to the heart. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, uh, we're all kind of in uh, agree uh, agreeance here. I don't know. I was trying to look for a better word, but um, it I would label it as because uh, I mean. I'm a sports guy and, you know, playing sports and everything when you've got a goal or whatever, like the biggest sport for me was basketball. I was going and winning to the uh, districts and things like that. And if uh, so, if you set a goal and you don't make it, you fail yeah. and, mm-hmm. and uh, or winning the conference and things like that. And it was winning the Big Ten. And that was the goal that they put out and they failed to reach that. So it was. I I am fine with putting the stamp of 2018 being a failed season for Michigan. Now, of course, I mean, as everybody said, each one of you have said, you know, I mean, there are still positive things that took place, but as a whole, it was a fail. Um, I'll take it kind of further than that because, and I've said a little bit of this before, whether it was on an episode or just kind of on social media and things like that, um, 2015 was a great year. Uh, it could have been better. It was insane some of the things that 2015 could have been there was an improvement to 2016 because uh michigan was able to be michigan state uh that was nice to have happen and ohio state was like what you said craig earlier on in the show where it was just like there was the whole drama thing with jt was short i mean a loss is a loss it is what it is but you know there's some controversy there there was that whole hope thing on like okay 2016 was better than 2017, like, or 2015. There was progress. There was, uh, there were things going in the right direction. There was progression. Well, then 2017 happened and, you know, that was kind of like, okay, the fluke thing, there were so many bad things happening. Um, there was only so good that it was going to be, uh, I got, uh, teased by the Ohio state game because Michigan was so bad, but Michigan was able to do so well against Ohio State for three quarters. I was just like, man, when Michigan actually gets a team, they'll be able to be back at competing against Ohio State. And then 2018 happens. <laughs> and uh, and what specifically happened with Ohio State. And uh, it was after that game, before the bowl game, I think, or maybe it was after the season, um, Chase Winovich said, something along the lines of, Hey, you know, Michigan's still building something. If you think this is it for Michigan, then you're wrong. Do you guys remember that? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, like that's the thing. Like 
I would have maybe could have hung the hat on, you know, saying there was success if Michigan was slowly and steadily progressing. But it's just like, no, it's another it's another 10 and three season. It's just like if you had gone out and beat Florida, then you could be like, dude, it's 11 and two season, you know, progress. But there wasn't that progress. And as everybody said, and even Coach Harbaugh set up at the beginning of the season, it's just like Big Ten championship or bust. And uh, that didn't happen. So uh, label is failure. There were some positive things to take away from it. Of course, there's a lot of things that we can talk about 2019 and how that might shape up to be. We'll be talking about that in other episodes. But, yeah, that's that's essentially what it comes across with 2018. But as we said, too, I know this was when Craig was still uh, recording episodes, I think. It's just like if Jim Harbaugh does not make changes, then – Michigan fan base is going to have to settle for 10 win seasons. But we saw some of those changes happen during the off season. So now there's optimism. And as Brandon, you and I always say, show me, don't tell me. So Mm -hmm. we have to see for 2019 when that finally comes around. Don't suck me in again. (laughs) Yeah. Don't, don't, don't be playing with my heart. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Get heart every time. Don't it's go breaking my heart. It's like the hot girl. <laughs> the hot girl that keeps, you know, calling you back up and you're like, all right, I'll go back out with you. And then they break your heart again. So Oh no, even worse than that. It's like the girl that puts you in the friend zone. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's yep. just like where they like they it's like that uh insurance commercial or whatever where they the guy with the fishing pole hanging out that dollar out there and everything. It's just like yeah. Uh, it's just like teasing and everything. And then the girl like hang out with her all the time. Sometimes it's just you guys basically take, take her on a date. You pay for her food and everything. And no, like no, nothing ever happens. There's never any conversation. And then like two days later, she's in a relationship with some other random guy. <laughs> she's wearing a wing helmet. <laughs> yeah. It's like, dang it, Michigan. Come on. What the heck is your problem? I, I love you guys. Oh, gosh, dang it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and then at the end of the day, she's going out with Urban Meyer again. <laughs> right. I'm going to pick this guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> yep. She, gets, she, gets, she goes, I'll see you later. Gets in the car with Urban Meyer, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, man. No, that, that, was a good, that was a good comparison right there. That was good. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that was a good episode, uh, Craig. It was good to have you back. Um, right. As we've as we've said before, Craig will, Craig will be in and out um, uh, yep. from time to time with some different stuff. He'll be a guest, or maybe if we ever need uh, somebody fill in, if somebody can't make it, Craig will be around and things like that. So, yeah, Craig, thanks. I appreciate that. Hey, thank you, man. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, like you said, I'll be on here and there. But uh, yeah, it's been it's always fun. It's always fun with you guys and and kicking it around with Michigan football, like always. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now you can go back to being old, you know. <laughs> yep. Yep. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we thank you guys. We always appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, like I said, if you guys want to do uh, leave some voicemails this week, uh, we'll talk more stuff uh, uh, next week and things of that nature. So we thank you guys for listening. Uh, we thank you for su- your support and your interaction on social media. Uh, we will be keeping up with the guys, bringing it to you every single week. And so until next time, we'll finish off with Go Blue. Go Blue. Go Blue.